Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brandon Archer Podcast. This is episode 32, and we will be going into Acts chapter 16 today. And I look forward to just reading the word and just letting the Spirit of God just speak uh, through me and, and also to me. And I pray as you listen that it would minister to your heart, encourage you, uh, whatever God wants to do. I pray that as you come, you come with a heart that's open and that you want to hear uh, God's voice by giving your time to this podcast. So I pray you are blessed, that you are filled uh, with joy, encouragement, expectation, faith, knowing that God is real, that he's alive, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he hasn't overlooked you or is not uh, paying attention to you, that he actually cares about you. Uh, He's more uh, invested in you than you realize. And I think what happens in life is life has so many distractions. And even within our own being, we have distractions. We have thoughts. We have uh, things that constantly try to take our attention off of what's important. And I think as we take time to put it on God, you know, his voice to us is one that is uplifting it encourages, it pushes us forward into the things of God, into destiny. It should never push us away from him. Uh, the only thing that would push us away is our own heart, right? Like if our, if God's saying, hey, I love you, come talk to me. And then as he talks to us and he begins to kind of reveal maybe some areas in our life uh, that he's wanting to deal with, then that could be the, the time where we start to kind of push away from him. But that's not God doing that. That's you doing that because you don't want to have to deal with stuff uh, in 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 your heart, and I think when we get this um, understanding, it helps us to have a deeper relationship with God. You know, He wants intimacy, and He wants us to be able to connect with Him on a level that is different and other than any other relationship in our life. When we come to Him, we come to Him with faith, but we also come to Him believing that He loves us, that He cares for us, that when He hears us, He's not a God who's judging. He's not a God who's looking to bring a hammer to destroy, to break, uh, you know, to break our lives and destroy it. No, He's a God who wants to actually bless us, empower us, encourage us, equip us, forgive us, heal us, deliver us. He loves to heal and deliver. That's what Jesus did while He was on the earth. And that's what he's called us to do in each other's lives. So many times we get in places where, you know, you get around people who are funky or who have issues and they they end up doing the opposite. They hurt or they say things they shouldn't say. But if we're close to the Lord, we can have an understanding that protects us and guards our hearts so that we don't get offended and we don't let these things come in and distract us or sway us away from God. You know, a lot of people that have had a bad experience in church or a bad experience with religion, uh, it's really not God they're mad at. It's people that they're mad at because people are an expression and an image of God. And when they give off this uh, example or vision of who God is, it becomes kind of like, oh, God, God, that's God's heart, right? If somebody yells at you, an authority, a father, the next thing you know, you think God's this this type of, you know, example in your life. And if you've had an abusive father, abusive leadership in your life, it can really twist you off. Next thing you know, you're looking at God angry at God like God's angry at you. But it, at the end of the day, he's not. God is so in- incredibly loving and long-suffering and merciful. 
and kind. And he, and he invites us into that place. And sometimes he, you know, he, he might put us in a situation where he challenges us and he puts us around people that challenge us. But at the end of the day, it's, it's him wanting to provoke us to even a deeper relationship with him or even to allow for him to, to change and to shift some of the things that are going on in our life. Uh, opinions, right? Fears, anxieties, whatever it is that would keep us from just trusting God. You know, the old saying that, you know, sometimes faith is spelled R-I-S-K because it really is to have to risk to believe God, to risk and to put yourself out there and to believe uh, the impossible is a risk, right? Oh, what if, what if I fail? What if people don't like me? What if they all laugh at me? What if it doesn't work? What if, you know, what if, like, what if Jesus, that was what lived inside of him? He would have never went to the cross. Oh, what if they crucify me? What if it hurts? What if it's painful? What if I, what if I don't come out the other side? You know, what if I don't get resurrected? <laughs> what if these are Jesus' thoughts? He would have never accomplished what God had called him to accomplish. No, he risked it all for you and I. He risked everything and he and he followed through. He went all the way. But it wasn't because of the misery or the depression or the sadness. It was because of the joy that was set before him. Because he had a vision and understanding if he gives his life to this, that there was going to be a reward. There was going to be something on the other side. That's why I say when when people say, oh, we don't give to get, well, God gave to get us. So when we give to God, we can expect from him in return. Uh, it's not like a, uh, what do you call it? Like you owe me something, God type of mentality, like a brat. But it's more of like, it's a promise. It's just who he is. When you give and surrender to him, it's in his nature to bless and to pour out on our, on us. It's who he is. And so we can expect good things from God. We can expect blessing and we can expect um, just him having the best intentions for our life. So we thank you, God. We invite you into this place and we just look forward with great expectation, great faith. Um, we thank you for the people that you brought into our lives uh, to, to bless us, people that you brought into our lives to encourage us, and even for the people that challenge us. You know, we thank you, God, that you give us the ability to, to be anointed and to walk uh, the way that you've called us to, even in challenging times, even when there's people that maybe don't, you know, they don't sound like God or they're not being godly or they're not, you know, acting the way we want them to. We have to embrace that and show forth God's glory, right? We have to show forth who he is. And who he is doesn't mean we put up with people's um, dysfunction or their nonsense or or, or settle and allow them to settle in life. No, we want to challenge. We want to get them to see there's greater, there's better. And uh, if people don't want that, you know, we can't force them to embrace that. But what we can do is find those who do and get with those who do and build, you know, whatever God's wanting to do in our life. We can find those people and build with them. And yeah, it might not be perfect, but you're in it for the same reasons, the same uh, purpose. And you're, you're, all, you're all paying a cost to move forward with God in your relationship with him intimately and also with your relationships corporately within the body of Christ or just even in life with family, with friends, with other people. You want to connect with the people that God has for you to connect with. You don't want to connect with people that aren't going to, uh, you know, <laughs> help you move forward in your life. You don't want people who are going to stand in your way, who are going to curse you, who are going to talk bad about you, who are going to lie about you. It doesn't mean you can't love them, but you have to be guarded and guard your heart. 
So it's, it's important who we allow into those inner circles in our life because it's the very thing the enemy uses to completely destroy and decimate Christians. He takes them out. They stop pursuing God. They stop looking to God. They, they get offended by a man or they get hurt by somebody. And then the next thing you know, they're mad at God and they think God somehow did that or they just it can uh, twist and their view become uh, skewed. And they're seeing through a lens that's warped instead of seeing through a pure heart and a, and a pure place because God is allowed into that space and not a man or a woman. So I don't know why I'm going down this road other than maybe there's somebody listening that you need to hear this. God has the right relationships, the right people, the right ones that are going to come in with, with a vision for your life that is a God vision, not their vision, not their skewed vision, not their experiences, not because, you know, sometimes people get around us and they're mad and they're disappointed and then you get around them and their disappointment comes out and they don't, they don't encourage you. They don't see, they don't want you to, um, to possess what you feel called to or what you desire because they never got what they wanted and they desired. So why do you get it? And I don't, it's kind of like this ugly thing that can happen at the heart level. And what we have to do is keep our heart pure. And it doesn't matter if God gives us everything we ever wanted in life, but we have to stay pure in our heart towards him and towards others. And never stop encouraging other people in their, in their visions, in their dreams. When somebody else comes to me and they have an excitement for their life or a vision, you know, if it's, if it's you know, faith and radical and awesome, like I don't want to throw water on that fire. I don't want to discourage them. I want to encourage them. And then what I can do is come, come beside them and begin to help them maybe see stumbling blocks or things that would cause them uh, to miss out on maybe what God has for them. I think this is very pastoral and, and very, um, you know, just, just having people in our life that help us lead us forward, move us in a direction that we actually desire and want to go in. You don't want people that are going to push you away from God or going to tell you you don't need God, you know, it doesn't work or they're all mad. And who do you think you are? That type of attitude. I mean, that's just the spirit of flesh. That's just carnal. You know, it's easy for people to get bitter. It's easy for people to be jealous. Those aren't hard things to actually experience. It's harder to walk in love. It's harder to to be pure in your intentions and your heart. And as we pursue the Lord, He begins to deal with these things in our life so that we can open up and expand in him and let him actually give us all the things he has for us. Because those things, if we don't allow, if we allow them in there, will choke out purpose, destiny, future, the plan of God. So I pray for you right now that God, that you would cut any cords that need to be cut remove any stumbling blocks, remove any, any um, lots, anybody that's there that God, you're wanting to move them on. It's time is up. That relationship is done and it's time to move on. It's time to, to see what God has for you and don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in a rut, but let God give you a fresh vision and, and send those, uh, that team, those dream builders, those people that will come in and, and help you move forward in your life and to attain and accomplish. It's it's we together, it's everyone going after it together. Your dream, and I had a pastor tell me this, one of the most amazing pastors I've ever had the privilege to, to know and be around. If I help you get what, what you want, 
God promises me he's going to help me get what I want. And we have this attitude to help people attain their dreams, get to their destiny, push forward in the things that they're called to do. It releases this supernatural favor on our lives that God says, ah, you got it. You get it. You see it now because that's what he wants to do in our lives. And I'm not talking about, you know, cotton candy and shiny cars and nice clothes. Okay, that's great. But that's not what I'm I'm talking about. Impact destiny, right? Being significant, leaving um, an impact in your family, leaving an impact in the people around you, that these things are actually more valuable than money itself. In the kingdom of God, he wants to, to use us to benefit others. So I just pray that over you right now, that your life would be a life that is beneficial to those around you. And if there's people that don't, get that or they don't see that and they don't want that then you gotta move on you gotta find some new friends get some new family in a sense and that's not to say you can't love your family or love the people that that do know you but get around some people that that have a fresh vision and fresh understanding because you don't want bitter busted people around you trying to put pigeonhole you in just like jesus they said he could do no great works here's jesus god He's, and it says he can't do any good, good work. Why? Because of he was among his own people. A prophet is not is without respect away, among his own people. So he had to get around people that didn't have this familiar spirit and this judgment and this view of him that was carnal because they thought they knew him. Oh, that's Joseph's son. Oh, he, we know him. We saw him. We knew him when he was a little whippersnapper. You know, he... <laughs> I remember he used to, he made my chair that I'm sitting on in my living room. Who does he think he is? He's not going to be anybody great. He might make some great rocking chairs, but what? He's going to heal the blind? He's going to cast out demons? He's going to have authority? He's going to forgive sins? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That ain't going to happen. You know, people get that way. And you have to tune those people out. You have to cut them out of your life because they become a deterrent. They become a stumbling block to your future, to your destiny. And if you begin to listen to that voice, it'll reinforce the demonic voice that gets you to settle, that gets you to stop pursuing your dream, that gets you to, to, to get your eyes off the call and the purpose of God. So thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for this encouragement. And I pray, God, that people, that you would lead and guide them to make the right decisions. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and turn to Acts And we're going to go to 16, and we're going to start reading. Thank you for your word, Lord. Now, Paul traveled to Derbe and also to Lystra. A disciple named Timothy was there, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer in Christ. However, his father was a Greek. Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him as a missionary, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. I want to go back here for a second because I want to talk about this. Um, A disciple named Timothy was there, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. However, his father was a Greek. So I believe this is saying that his mother was a believer. And how many stories do we know of a grandma or a mom who was a Holy Ghost believer praying for their son, and then their son get delivered, set free, and set on fire for God. And the father, maybe not a believer, still doesn't believe. And then later on down the road, once they see the son come to God and catch fire, they, they go, oh my gosh, something's got to be real about this. Because uh, 
now my son is speaking all these things I didn't even know. And that somehow leads the father to the Lord. We, there's all kinds of stories like this within history and within the church of women who get saved. And then they're just faithful to God, faithful in service, faithful in prayer. And here we go. We see Timothy um, get chosen by Paul, sees the call of God in his life. Maybe, maybe understands and sees the heart of the woman. Because if you read in Timothy, uh, in the books of Timothy, he says that uh, the faith that was uh, like your 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 mother Lois or talking about his his relatives, that, that you have the same passion, the same faith. Because the family that has this fire on them, it can get on your siblings, it can get on your kids, it can get on your 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 relatives, right? That's that's the kind of influence you want on your family. But if there could always be one or two that's just like, you know what, I'm not really into this whole Christianity thing. And it, it's going to take a minute for them to come to the understanding of, of what it means to be passionate for God. Um, so we see here that his, his father was a Greek and Timothy was well spoken of by his brothers and sisters who were in Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to go with him as a missionary. And he took him and circumcised him. Now, right here, this is this is kind of like uh, I probably would have been like, uh, sorry, Paul, but. At this point, you want to circumcise me, and I ain't having that, right? But I think he did it uh, for the reason because of the Jews that were there. So to satisfy them, he had uh, Timothy circumcised, which is unfortunate. I, you know, <laughs> I would not have done that. No thanks, Paul. Uh, you can go on on this missionary journey yourself. Uh, but he uh, he did this because the Jews. Who, who were in those places since they all knew that his father was a Greek. So maybe it was just a way of him saying, hey, I'm, I'm like you. I'm one of you guys now, which I don't understand that because we just read this in the last one where there was a big debate on do you need to be circumcised or not? So this was kind of interesting that now he's he's circumcising Timothy to please the Jews. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decrees decided by. So I almost see like here is the first political kind of setup that's happening within the church. And they're, they're delivering decrees decided on by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So you have the, the hierarchy of the, the apostles, which isn't wrong. I don't think structure is bad. You know, uh, poly, like our even our government, it's not bad. It's there to, to bless and to protect and to be something that actually helps the people. And the difference between, you know, politicians and statesmen is that the politician is in it for himself. He's in it for fame. He's in it for money. He's in it for, hey, look at me. But the statesman is there because he really has a heart for the people. And we know the disciples and these, the beginning of church, they were in it for God. They were in it for people, souls, to see people come to Jesus, to know the truth about the gospel, to be saved, to be redeemed. So they're building structure and establishing structure, not for political means, not so that they can all vie for position, who's important, who gets to sit in this seat, who gets to be called this title. But no, it was to produce uh, structure for for laws and rules so that people had something to follow. Because people left to themselves will always go crazy. Things left to themselves will always go crazy and deteriorate. You need accountability and structure in your life. Um, that's why you have businesses that are just like, hey, just come to work and do whatever you want. We'll pay you money. No, there's structure to it. We're going to hire you to do this. This is your job description, right? If it was just a free-for-all, then uh, it would be chaotic in our society. So structure is good. 
and it, you know everybody i don't like organized religion i don't i'm not, I'm not organized religion guy you know i believe in god but i don't like organized well what do you like disorganized religion unorganized chaos no structure no no discipleship no ability for you to see where you're at to grow you need structure and accountability so that you have a measurement for your not only for yourself but for the organization for where you're going without that you're left to your own devices and anyone who's left to themselves will deteriorate it will not be a good thing it's just built it's just the way it's built in this world as they traveled from town to town they delivered the decrees decided on by the apostles and elders who were in jerusalem for the churches to observe so they had this thing here for the churches so the churches were strengthened so here's the result of their um, decrees there was a strengthening of the church strengthening of its of its position of of what its purpose was of why it was even there in the first place they were strengthened it was a stronger place for people to come to strengthened in faith and they continually increased in number day by day so these decrees and these things that were set up by the apostles and the elders produced results so when you're in a situation where you have a church or organization that's struggling that's that's um maybe hurting or there are you see things that are declining even businesses they decline you know there's businesses that start and fail all the time there's churches that start and fail all the time why because many reasons i can't even go into them all but I think if we have God and we put certain things in place that benefit us and we have metrics, we have measurement of, of how are we doing. We're not just leaving up to one guy who thinks he's the guy and that guy's running the ship into the into a brick, you know, into a, a rock and going to basically capsize the whole thing. No, we need accountability. We need ordinances and, and rules and regulations that help us avoid. We need a guy at the top uh, right, of the sail looking out. Oh, wait, there's a rock coming. Well, what if the captain's like, oh, don't tell me how to run my ship. I'm, you know, and just had this attitude towards the guy out there saying, hey, your church is dying. You're, you're losing people. You're not, there's no salvations. There's no baptism. And, and you have a guy saying, and the guy who's in charge is just some stubborn you know, oh, I'm not going to listen. Who do you think you are? You whippersnapper. Actually, God sent me here to help you, but you're stubborn. Don't want my help. And so get ready for the rock because it's coming. <laughs> and the guy at the top is probably going to be the first one to dive out the top into the water. Like, okay, well then, boo, peace. And he's going to live. But everyone else is going to get hurt and there's going to be damage because the guy in charge didn't want to listen. So we put people in position and in places and decrees and rules to strengthen and the way we measure what we're putting into place and the rules we're living by is what the fruit the fruit it produces whether our churches are growing people are being saved our, our businesses are actually making money there's things that are happening right you you want things in your life discipline right working out why do i work out because i want to see the results in my body in my life in my health my blood pressure go down my weight you know get better my health get better. So there's results to making good choices. And when we have these type of things in our uh, life or even in organizations, then they speak. They speak by the results they produce. And you have so many people who are religious and they're stuck in a rut. 
organizations, churches that are really struggling. And the reason why they're struggling is it's evident. You can see it, but everybody's like got blinders on. They don't want to look at it. And you can have the one guy saying, hey, we need to look at this. And everybody just ignore it and keep pressing forward. And then guess what? The rock's there. It's going to be either a beginning and and things are going to revive because you're going to change and put new ordinances and new decrees in. Or you're going to keep going the same way and moving in the same direction. And you're just prolonging the inevitable, which is a wreck. So we need accountability. We need to let God speak to us on how to build and how to live our lives. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they continually increased in number day after day. There was fruit, good fruit. You know, in our life as we're being ministered to and we're having relationships, there should be a growing, a maturing, a it should be beneficial to our life. We have a pastor in our life to benefit us not just to have some religious, weird, controlling guy that just, oh, he's the guy and I'm just going to count out it. Oh, he gets to be the head guy now. Tell everybody what to do. We just have to submit. No, what he's telling us to do should produce fruit in our lives and fruit around us. And that's what we're measuring by. We're measuring and have metrics to help us. And if the pastor is humble and willing to let that happen, then his church is going to grow. Most most of these guys who have big churches and um are people who are successful in life. I, I know I'm talking about churches right now because I'm, <laughs> this is like a Christian podcast. But if you even look at businesses that are successful, you have people who have uh, doctrine or belief or a set of practices that they put into play every day of their life. And they also have measurement. They have accountability for people to come in and they look at wh- what they're producing and they, and they, okay, this isn't working here. We need to make adjustments. And if people are in those positions that, that aren't helping and working, we don't go, oh, well, we just got to feel sorry for that person and come in and, you know, just be real. You know, in the church, this is how it is. In business, that person, you know, they, they can do it kindly, but that person has to move on, right? Or find out where their, their strength is and put them in that place. But don't put somebody that's not producing in a place for six months, a year, and then what, right? No, you have to come and you have to talk to them. You have to find out. Okay, what's going on here? Why isn't this working? And have metrics to show so that you can tell people, look, this is where we're at. We need you to help us get here. If you can't, then we need to come back and relook at it and maybe find somebody else to come in to help. And we need to be open to that. Now, they passed through the territory of Phrygia and Galatia after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in the West Coast province of Asia Minor. So they're on this journey, and now they're being forbidden by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's actually saying, ah, don't do this. We don't, we're, he's forbidding them to speak the word. So there's a time to speak, and then there's a time not to speak. And being somebody who likes to preach and talk, let me tell you, this is a hard thing for me sometimes. Because I want to speak when I want to speak. And then there's times where you got to hold back and not speak. But we want to get sensitive to the Holy Spirit to where we can allow him to forbid us, right? Don't, don't do this right now. Don't move in this direction. This isn't where I'm taking you. And after they came to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So they're, they're moving in a direction, but there is a supernatural hindrance by God himself. 
So we need to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to God, and have that relationship. Because how you know if you don't have that, you just keep on moving and you ignore God. But I think in this specific thing, it was almost like God was supernaturally hindering them. He loved them so much. He wasn't. He was getting involved and pushing them in a different direction, which is a good thing. You always want to trust God and and let God do what He wants to do. Sometimes it's not always the devil. Sometimes the Lord's keeping you from moving in a direction because he's protecting you, right? Oh, look, this is, I'm going to go do, I I remember, um, let's see, this was back when me and my wife first got married. We were on the road for about a year and then we were in Austin for about a year and we both kind of had to rebuild. We were traveling on the road, going from church to church, had an incredible experience just um, traveling with this minister who was a radical evangelist and it it marked our life forever. We will never be the same because of that experience. But when things kind of slowed down on the road and it was just kind of moving in a different direction because God was moving things, we ended up back in Austin for a season and we had we got jobs and God blessed us. We built our lives back up. And I remember being in this place where I was looking for a job but nothing was opening. It was like I was being re- like God was not allowing things to happen. And it was about a month, but you know, you can be in a situation and it looks like people are looking at you like, what are you, a bum? You could go get a job, get get to work, go find something, you know? And in my spirit, it's like, I've always been led by God. God, you're gonna open the door. You have the place for me. You're gonna provide for me. And I want the right place. And God opened this job, it was perfect, right time, right place. And I was there for a year before we, we left to go help launch a church in Florida with that same minister and start a brand new you know, at, from a church that was dying, start a brand new work from scratch and just see it blossom and bloom for four years. And, um, it was an incredible experience, but I remember working in that job for a year and just being faithful to it. It was an incredible organization. Um, there's things to this day that I implement into my life. And I also would implement into my, my church because the way that they would just keep people engaged with what they were doing, have purpose, have goals, have vision, be excited about your life, be engaged with what God's called you to do. And it would, and it was like a team thing. It wasn't like just one person. It was, we would, in the morning, they had this time called, um, uh, was it like, I think they called it sides, whatever. Every morning, at about 9.15, they would start, they would turn on some like pumping music and you'd hear it from your, your place, wherever you were working throughout the whole building. And it, okay, it's time. Everybody would gather in the main room, all the employees, every single one. And they'd be pumping the music and then they'd stop it. And there would be this time where like a huddle it was basically called a huddle. And we, there'd be some like reports given some things. And then we'd say, okay, now sides, you know, they had the sides. It was S I D E. S, and it was stability, um, integrity, expression, dream big, and integ. In wait, <laughs> let me let me uh, let me see if I can remember this. It's been it's been a while, probably like ten years or more. But sides was it was like an acronym for stability. Okay, yeah, I was integrity. D was dream big. E was expression. And then the last one was service, right? Because what we were was providing a service to people. It was a company that had created this thing called this man who was, he's like a, 
um, very like a motivating guy, man. I, he would actually literally keep everyone on the clock and then he would take the last hour and he would do a training on, on goal break, like breaking or, or reaching your goals. He would help people quit cigarettes, help people quit their addictions, alcohol. He had these boards, like what do you want to accomplish? You want to get out of debt? And he would just get in people's lives and inspire them to be great. And I'm telling you, the atmosphere in that place was electric. And he didn't play either. If you were if you were disgruntled or you were around talking a bunch of nonsense and gossiping, you were done. I mean, he had no tolerance for that type of stuff. And people would get fired if they were messing around like that. And I, it, it gave you this, you know, like kind of like a holy awe in that in the environment you're in to 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 make sure that you're on point that you're keeping your heart right and you're you're there for the right reasons you're there because first of all they they hired you to do a job but not only just do a job and be in there and just kind of a lot of people they especially nowadays you go through a drive-through oh my gosh i'm sure there's tons of people who can relate and you're like and the people are like what do you want you're bothering me (laughs) like I'm trying to like not work and you want me to work. Like this is the like mentality of the generation that's coming up. Like you, they do, customer service has fallen so much in our society. It's like not even a thing anymore. But in this company, it was huge. Customer service was everything. And they were a huge company, millions and millions of dollars off of this distressed property thing that this guy had created. And he had to re kind of, configure his business later down the road but in this season when when he was really booming in his business um i was there for a year after that i've been called i felt called to the lord well they had made a shift and that job was over like i there's no there wasn't a job for any me anymore but god's perfect timing god's what he had for me the right place the right time god opened up that opportunity i didn't have to live in this place of fear of trying to make it happen and oh my gosh what am i gonna do no god i trust you no god i believe you god you're gonna order my steps god you're gonna make a way for me and i remember going to the interview and in the interview i felt the lord tell me talk about dreaming big this is before i even knew what their sides were and i said you know what they said tell me a little bit so well I, i like to dream big i like to have believe that my dreams can happen, you know, the things that I have in my, in my heart, in my mind, I actually believe that they can happen. And they're not small dreams, they're big dreams. And I didn't know that that was one of their sides, but they really were um, impressed by my answer where I left thinking, oh, I'm probably not going to get this job. But they called me the next day and said, hey, we want to bring you back in and you're hired. And it was awesome. I mean, God just, he has a way of doing things in your life that supersede what everyone thinks should happen he he goes over and above the norms of what society or the people around you or whatever it is they want to live in this natural place all the time god's supernatural he's he's able to do exceedingly above all we could ever ask or think so i was telling you that story because i wanted to encourage you that sometimes god there's a there's a resistance god's not letting things move because he's got a plan. Sometimes there's things that are not moving in a direction because he has a purpose and he'll shut doors and he'll open doors. And there's times where you're just being patient because God's got to work out some kinks. He's got to work some things out and get things in alignment before you step in to the opportunity he has for you. And you have to be patient. And sometimes it's not the place you think it's going to be. Sometimes God, you know, he's, he's just faithful. That's all I have to say is God's faithful. 
But we need to be sensitive to not get down or discouraged or get depressed or angry when we don't see things necessarily move the way we think they should. Sometimes Jesus is is not permitting us to move in that direction. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas. Then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from the Roman province of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So this whole time, you know, the Holy Spirit saying, no, we're not going this direction. Why? Because God could hear the prayers of a man over here who was hungry, who was passionate. And these people were ready. This, this guy was ready to receive Paul. Maybe the people they were going to, they weren't ready to receive what was the ministry of, of Paul. And it was going to be this hard place. But the whole time, a man crying out and God saying, well, I'm taking you this way. Because he's answering a man's prayer and changing Paul's direction to move him to the place of this man who needed him in his life, who was hungry for him to be in his life. And his prayer was being answered. So uh, the Holy Spirit is now directing and leading Paul through a vision and a dream. And Paul's like, okay, I know where we're going now. We're going to Macedonia. And when he had seen the vision, uh, we tried to go on into Macedonia at once, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail for Troas, we ran a direct course to Samothrace, and the next day went on to Neapolis. And from there we came to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We stayed on in this city for several days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the bank of the Gangites River, where we thought there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had come from there. So they're they're journeying they're on their journey and they're looking for a place to pray and then they meet these women and this is where they meet uh lydia and a woman named lydia from the city of thatria a dealer in purple fabrics who was already a worshiper of god so she already loved god she might not have been a christian but she she maybe she knew god and had this heart that there was there was a creator and there's people out there like that they don't they're not religious they don't have this understanding of Christian doctrine or, or the Bible, but they believe there's a higher power. And some of them are, are, you know, deceived and they're new agey and they're lost. That's why they need people to come in with anointing and with the Holy Spirit to come preach the truth to them. Because what happens is then it gives them an opportunity to line up their heart and to meet Jesus and to meet the God that they love, that they worship, that they look up to. And this, I don't know for sure if this woman is a Christian, but it says here she's a worshiper of God. And she listened to them and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention and to respond to the things that they were saying. So I think it is a woman who just had this heart for God, but didn't understand necessarily um, the Christian doctrine and, and the, the, the reality of who Jesus was, the Messiah. And she basically gets saved and she was, uh, she was baptized along with her household. So she and everyone in her household is baptized and become Christians. And then she pleaded with them saying, if you have judged me and decided that I am faithful to the Lord, a true believer, come to my house and stay with us. And she persuaded them and they went to her house. And it happened as that as they were on their way to the place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. So maybe this is the, the, 
what's happening in this region is you have this new agey kind of, uh, you know, people who are open spiritually, but they're not. And you can see this in different societies, different cultures. People are open to the things in, in spirituality, but it's demonic. It's it's not Christ. It's not centered in God who created the earth in his son. It's centered in all this other weird doctrine and beliefs and other gods. And this this slave girl has a demonic spirit of divination that is using her and is basically leading people astray. But when she sees Paul in them, um, she begins to proclaim and wait, hold on. Let me go back here because this is what it says. Slave girl who had a spirit of divination that is a demonic spirit claiming to foretell the future and discover hidden knowledge. So we see these people today. They have little psychics and and even some of the psychics are like, oh, yeah, we know Jesus. But they really they're not. They're twisted off. Right. Because they're 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 tapped into to the demonic realm and they're leading people away from repentance, away from godliness, away from true consecration before the Lord. And she brought her owners a good profit. So she was actually employed by these people and they, she was bringing like kind of like a pimp, right? Like a spiritual pimp out there who was pimping out these fortune tellers to go do all this stuff to make money to bring it back to them. Well, Paul sees this and she keeps shouting the truth, which these men are servants of the most high God. They are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. So it's almost like she's speaking the truth, but it's it, but there's a demonic spirit behind it. And it began to agitate Paul because he's like, okay, something's wrong here. There's something going on here. And he turns to her and says to the spirit inside of her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ as his representative to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. So by the authority of the Holy of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he rebukes the spirit. She gets delivered. And then what happens? It disrupts the business. It disrupts the owners who who were pimping this girl out to be the spiritual whatever. And now she gets saved, delivered, probably gets, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit and redeemed. And now the people are mad because they just took, oh, that was, I was making money. What are you doing? Messing with my money, messing with my, my business. And this is the gospel. This is the reality of Jesus is it comes in and it will mess up some businesses. You know, there's there's businesses out there to this day that are evil, they're corrupt. They put pornography and strip clubs and even out bars and stuff that are just filled with broken people. And then when the gospel comes in and it's proclaimed and you see a, a revival and people healed and hearts turn to Jesus and turn away from sin and turn away from these things, it disrupts the flow of money going into those uh, businesses and those people who own them who are like, we're going to make money by off the devil, basically. And the devil says, well, you want to make some money here? Do my deeds, do my works, I'll pay you. And that's the demonic uh, twist on, on the reality of life. Like you want, you want your life and the profits and the blessing of your life to come from good, godly things. You don't want them to come from evil. They're, the benefit of that is actually death. It, the, there's no benefit. It's actually a detriment. And it's going to bring you into a place and you see it. You see people in these lifestyles and they end up in horrible positions, horrible situations. Um, But we see here her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone. 
So they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace where trials were held. And when they had brought them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men who are Jews are throwing our city into confusion and causing trouble. Yeah, that's exactly what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. You want to talk about revival? You know, revival, like in the charismatic church, like, and I, I, I do this too. I use it as like, hey, we're going to get together. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. But true revival, this is what happens. True, that's why people don't want revival in their church and they, they try to play it safe. Why? Because it disrupts the norms. It comes in and breaks down where the devil has people in bondage, where, where he's, he's holding up the, the flow and the, fruit, the fruitfulness of people and he's, he's keeping them oppressed and keeping, them, and keeping his work, God's work from moving forward. Well, when God comes in and the anointing and the power of God, revival comes, it's going to cause all kinds of stuff to start to manifest. We've seen in churches where Christians, they just get all, you see all the religious people just start getting crazy and mad. And what are you doing? And they, they start wanting to debate on doctrine and because you start challenging their, their religious beliefs, right? Those religious, whatever, those, what do they call them? The, the elephants, those elephants in the room that are just religious devils. And it's unfortunate, but it exists in the church. People have been in their church for 30 years and they're just like, this is my church. You're not coming here and tell me what to do. And their church is dying, but they're so stuck in this mentality and religious view of God and view of life. But they don't realize that, man, you don't see where you're at. You're naked, you're wretched, you're poor. You need God to move. And you don't want, you're pretending like he is, but there's no fruit that's bearing evidence of it. And the evidence of that would be the destruction of the devil in people's lives as you would see people that are around your church in your neighborhood coming to Jesus who are in bondage this is the truth of of Christianity and revival is it stirs things up and when they had brought them before the chief magistrate they said these men who are Jews are throwing our city into confusion and causing trouble these guys are these guys are troublemakers they're disrupting the norm they're saying we need we need to come to Jesus and know God and live for God and give our hearts to the Lord. I mean, this is the gospel and people get mad because you want to preach to them that God loves them, cares about them, has a plan for them, but wants them to know that they can be forgiven if they forgive, right? That's, that's the trade-off. Hey, if you forgive, I forgive you. If you'll come and give your life to me, I'll bless you, I'll show you who I am, I'll love you with a love that is so incredible that you'll never ever want to look for it in another another person, another place, another thing. And this makes people mad because they have demonic stuff. They have carnal thinking. They have things that need to be uh, broken and, cha- and chains off their life. And some people, they don't, they don't want that because it's uncomfortable for them. They don't want to have to change. They don't want to have to let go of religious thinking, stinking thinking. They don't want to have to let go of religious things that aren't producing anything, right? They're doing the same thing over and over, thinking they're going to get different results, which is insanity. And he, they say, this is what they say, they are publicly teaching customs that are unlawful for us as Romans to accept and observe. So they're really not mad about what they're teaching. They're mad because it's affecting their money. This is the world. This is the spirit of the world. Because the spirit of the world, it's God is mammon. It's money. They, they're the God of money. And the devil actually lives behind that. He lives behind that lust. And the Bible says, um, 
what's it called the the love of money is the root for it. it is the love of money that is the root of all evil it's not money that's evil it's the love for money that's evil it's people when they love money more than god they love money more than others more than people it becomes the root of evil it, it allows it's like a tree that gets planted and that tree is producing evil in society in their surroundings in their neighborhood in their community but God comes with, with a Holy Ghost chopping axe to chop it down, to break it down. And those people who are tied into that, making money off of it, they're going to get mad. Excuse me. They're going to get mad. After striking them many times with the rods, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. He, having received such a strict command, threw them into the inner prison dungeon and fastened their feet in the stocks in an agonizing position. So here we go. Here's Christianity. Here it is, right here before us. This is the, the life of a Christian. They're going in, on mission, on point, and they're stirring it up. They're stirring it up, not like in this vindictive way, by just preaching the gospel, by doing what God told them to do. And he led them here. We read before, he, he didn't permit them to go to a different place, he, but he led them to this place. And now, where are they? They're in jail. They're in stocks. They're, they're actually having to go through persecution. But about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So they're in there, and they're like, hey, you might have us in jail, but guess what? Your, your authority is not the, the great authority. We have a greater authority. And what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're seeking him. We're not looking to the judge to deliver us. We're not even looking to, the, to any of our family. We're going to God, and we're going to sing praises, and we're going we're gonna to ask him to help us because this is where he led us. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, God, right? Suddenly, God shows up. And there was a great earthquake, so powerful that the very foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer, shaken out of sleep, saw the prison's doors, he drew his sword and was like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. He knew he was going to die because if all these prisoners escaped on his watch, he's dead and he was sleeping. But Paul... They said, hey, hey, do not hurt yourself. We are all here. We, nobody's left. And when the jailer called for torches and rushed in, he was trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out of the inner prison, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So the fear of the Lord hits the jail. Peep, everyone in this, in this jail gets saved. Why? Because of God. They're worshiping, but God shows up and shows who he is. By, and it produces results. It produces a shift. And you see salvation. We see people coming to Jesus. The awe of God. The fear of the Lord. The reverence of who he is. And they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and entrust yourself to him and you will be saved. You and your household. If they also believe and they spoke the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ. So they're preaching now, they're teaching, they're coming in and they're, they're discipling in a moment a man and telling him, hey, if you believe, if you put your trust in the Lord, you and all your house, even those around you, if they'll believe in Jesus, they'll be saved. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their bloody wounds and he, immediately, and he was immediately baptized. So God not only breaks the, the jail open, but the guy who's there, he completely has a, a revival and changes his heart and his mind, serving the Lord, and now begins to help Paul and Silas. God takes the enemy 
and turns it around and makes the enemy their blessing, makes the enemy their friend, makes the enemy come and, and now he's, he's one of them. I mean, that's just incredible. That's awesome. Only God can do something like that. Only God. Men can try in all their strength and all their persuasiveness and charismatic, whatever, charismania, and try to be cool for people to like them. But when God shows up and shifts it, shifts the room, moves things, he does a work in people's hearts that can be done in a moment. You can try to win people over, dress cool, talk cool. But when God shows up on the scene, it shifts it all. It moves everything. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. He feeds them. He, and he's rejoicing greatly since he had believed in God with his entire family, accepting with joy what had been made known to them about Christ. This is Christianity, my friends. Christianity right here on display. The evidence of people who love the Lord on mission and on point. Nowadays, we look at Christianity and it's if you have a Bible and you go to a church and you go to a Bible study and you have this cute little like example of like, well, I have my church and my church is this and this is what we do and we do this and we feed the hungry. No, we go into darkness and we expel it from people's lives, not because of us, because we're some kind of charismatic, cool people. No, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the anointing of God. God does supernatural things and we see people come to Jesus. They get to know him. They fall in love with him. They give their life to them. They say, now use me, Lord. Use my life. Let my life be a light in a dark world. Christians that come to Jesus, who now their mission isn't to be a light in a dark world, are not Christians. They're club members. They're, they're, they're taking it easy, right? They're, they might be cute and sweet and real nice. But if they're not actually on mission, on point, men who have been in churches for years but never led or, or, or discipled a young man in the Lord. I was part of an organization surrounded by men my senior, not one of them ever pursuing a discipleship relationship, pouring into my life, speaking into my life. In fact, I would take them to breakfast. I would speak into their life. I would say, hey, let's go talk. And I would do my best to try to stir their hearts up to see, hey, you have a call. You have a purpose on your life. God wants to use you. Just showing up to church isn't going to cut it when it comes down to you're going to answer to the Lord. You got to give your life to him. You got to find a young man in the church and, and pursue him where you have a desire to see him develop. Maybe use some of the things that you went through and the failures and teach him and show him. Tell him your testimonies, your stories. Share with him. You know, this is a detriment in the church. We have an older generation that ignores the younger generation because they're offended at them. They don't respect, oh, they don't work hard, they don't do this. And they miss out on the actual purpose of why God would want to connect those two generations together. And I just pray, God, that you would do something fresh and new with this generation, with the old generation. That there would be a fire that stirs in the in the the baby boomers and the generation that's even above that, that they would see their calling. The hearts were turned back to the children. The hearts were turned back, the fathers to the children to want to impart and to speak into their life in Jesus name. Now, when the day came, the chief magistrates sent their officers saying, release those men. And the jailer repeated the words to Paul saying, the chief magistrates have sent their word to release you. So come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, 
They have beaten us in public without a trial, men who are Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now they are sending us out secretly. No, let them come here themselves and bring us out. So Paul's using the, the, the rules and the reality of what happened against them because they're trying to they're trying to basically do something that is wrong, illegal against their own rules. So the officers reported this to the chief magistrate and he uses the rules and they go, what? What's going on? And when they had heard that the prisoners were Romans, they were frightened because Paul was a Roman citizen. So they came to the prison and appealed to them with apologies because they they could have been in trouble, right? Because it, it's not their custom and their law. They're, and back in the days, man, you did, you were out of line. You, they weren't, you didn't just get a slap on the wrist. They did, had some punishments that were pretty gnarly. And when they brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. Please, just go, just go. Okay, you're free, go. So they left the prison and went to Lydas' house. And when they had seen the brothers and the sisters, they encouraged and comforted them. And then they left. And we're going to stop right here. This is the end of 16. But you see, here's Paul and Silas on point. And they're just on mission. They're focused. They're, it's about the Lord. They're seeing people saved. They're walking this supernatural power. They're being persecuted. They're, but they're not letting it phase them. They're staying focused on what God's called them to do. And even after all of this, they go to, to Lydia's house. And what do they do? They encourage and comfort them speak prophesy minister to them and then they leave them with the holy spirit they leave them with principles of what it means to be a christian to walk with the lord and then they leave and they go on their way but they've established believers and now guess what they don't need paul they don't need silas there why because now they have the holy spirit now they have uh, jesus and jesus can build with that group of people even he can use them he can he can take them them and there's a harvest there's there's work to be done still in this city and god wants to use those people if it was just about paul staying there he would have stayed his whole time in that city and never left but he didn't he was on mission he was a, an apostle he was about building churches establishing the moves of god establishing things and this is really what our organizations are about right these denominations they they want to uh established churches they're apostolic in their in their invention and the reason why they were created they were created to to help churches become healthy and functional and produce fruit they weren't created for political means and for you know so this guy can have a nice career and this guy over here gets the great church because he you know he's done everything right so now he gets the nice everything and you know it becomes so politically driven that it actually removes the power of god and you stop seeing the revival and the and the passion for the move of God and now becomes a, just about a club show up and just everybody does the same thing and we have our this group and that group but there's no passionate pursuit of going out of the four walls of the church into this into the community and seeing darkness broken and destroyed right a lot of churches nowadays they're just dying off because they're aging out people who were saved in the church they've gone to that church for 20 30 years and they're dying off and the next thing you know everyone's dead and there's nobody left because they're not reaching in and after the next generation their focus has only been on themselves and being comfortable and settling into a rut and being like jesus just loves me so much that no god is not he, he you have a, a, a skewed view on what jesus's purpose and calling is on your life if it, you think it's just to be comfortable and sit in the church 
for 20 years of your life without any type of pursuit of an evangelical call and cost that you would pay a cost for God to use you in your life in your community. So Father, I pray right now, whoever's listening, God, that you would minister to their heart, stir them in their spirit. Let them see, God, that you have more, more for them. Why they breathe air, God, you will use their life. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would impart an unction, a passion, guide their steps, bring them to people who are broken, bring them to people who are in desperate need of a touch from you, God. Give them the words and faith and courage and boldness to proclaim your truth, to, to, to see demonic strongholds broken, demons cast out of people. You said that we would lay hands on the sick, they would recover. We would cast out devils in your name, God. We'd see the blind eyes opened. We'd see those in chains loosed and free. It's your promise. And it's not just to the five-fold ministry. It's not just to the one who holds a title or takes an online course and finishes a course and now he gets a stamp of approval. No, it's for all believers. It's for every single one who would say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior for every one of us and God I thank you that you inspire you empower and you equip us to move into our future with hope with faith with courage and with power in Jesus name amen and amen